Hey there, and welcome back to the most interesting and long-winded podcast the internet has ever seen. I'm Josh Ellis, and I'll be your host, guiding you through the contorted bowels of day-to-day existence in today's society with some of the most interesting people I've met in my 37-odd years walking the blue planet. I've managed to secure the presence of the venerable and committed MMA pioneer, army veteran, bouncer, and spiritual soul that is Adam Burke, hailing from Ultimate Combat Systems. He's recently stepped back into day-to-day society after a short vacation in Her Majesty's Hotel and has a swathe of interesting and thought-provoking discussion points to wrap your minds around. Adam has an impressive professional fight career spanning multiple disciplines and a bevy of injuries and cosmetic readjustments that attest to his time in the ring. You can find his video content on the YouTubes under the channel name Fighter IQ. We had an extensive conversation that I've been spending my precious minutes whittling down to the most poignant moments, including cutting out several audio bites where we decree our need to empty our bladders. Yeah, you're welcome. This is the first part in a two-part podcast, so make sure you tune back in over the coming week to hear the conclusion. Please do head over to the socials on Facebook and Instagram, give us a like, a follow, a comment, anything you like really. The internet is free and apparently not just for pornography. Flick your Motorola razor open and punch in 02-9541-8450 to leave your audible feedback, appreciation or, or even disdain for my existence. I do love a good rant. Keep your head down, your, your chin up, your, your gun cocked, and your, your panties dropped. But look, most of all, just remember that you're not alone out there. Adam motherfucking Burke. How are you, my friend? And, all right, all right. So first, get this out of the way. Let's do it. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Good to see you. You too, my friend. You too. Okay. So where do we start with your uh, your history, your life? Where would you like to start, mate? Start at the beginning. Start at the beginning. Not okay. with the sex bit with your parents. <laughs> Fast forward. <laughs> All right. Let's have a look. <laughs> well, uh, look, I'll start with, I guess, my martial arts history. I think... Um, uh, that's probably the most pertinent part of my 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 growing up, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and what kind of go- gave me solace with uh, with a troubled youth. Um, mm-hmm. Well, so let's go with the troubled youth part. Where 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 whereabouts did you grow up? Okay, so I grew up in um, in Sydney. I went to Homebush Boys High School. Was that so a pretty tough school? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all all boys school, obviously, and it uh, it was a pretty tough school. Growing up there, it was uh, you know it was a daily battle to hold on to your lunch money and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, right. okay. <laughs> so it was interesting. Uh, so that kind of you know being around that kind of environment, you know, especially when you start in year seven at a school like that. If if you're like me, you're a scrawny kid, kind of half malnourished, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, and was substituting my uh, my lunch for cigarettes. Yeah, nice. So, you well, know... As a smoker, uh, I fully condone that yeah. behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> if you eat, you're just going to get fat. Yeah, so. right, right. Eating's cheating, yeah? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so um, you know, just in order to hold on to my lunch money, I uh, I kind of got into, into my martial arts quite seriously. The problem was, is that uh, 
as a teenager, my parents were broke, okay. so there wasn't really money to train. So what I'd often do is I'd, I'd travel around to different martial arts academies and do the intro and do the introductory lessons. Right. And I'd go to as many as I can. I went to a ride. I could rattle off some names, but I'll just be here forever. But um, yeah, there was karate, there was kung fu, there was boxing, kickboxing, the whole lot. Yeah. And I did that relatively consistently until um, uh, not long after I got stabbed when I was when I was seventeen. I, I got stabbed in a street fight. Uh, just at the front of uh, uh, Homebush train station Jesus. on my way to school yeah so was that a uh, was that something that you it was an altercation that you were already involved in or did someone just come up and randomly stab you yeah no there was a bunch of guys that uh, that we didn't get along with it is it is quite a long story but so a bit uh, of a gang warfare type yeah I okay. will use that because the easiest way to describe we'll say we'll say a gang yeah uh, for, for lack of a better word uh, and so yeah, I ended up getting stabbed four times, got a punctured lung, severed epigastric artery, nearly died. Wow. So from then on in, I decided that, you know what, I've, I've got to take my martial arts. Like, I took it seriously, but, you know, I've really got to find a place where, where I can knuckle down and train and, and make sure that never happens again. Okay. So I ended up training under a system called Etsu Kenryu, which uh, was under the auspice of uh, Sensei Tom Cullen, who is a m- mental Irishman. As most Irishmen are. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I myself, I've got Irish blood, so I can completely relate. <laughs> so, yeah, I trained with him for uh, a number of years, ending up getting two black belts under him, um, and then moved on to training in into Muay Thai and, and kickboxing and, and yeah, MMA. Because this was pre-MMA, right? This is pre-MMA. So M- Muay Thai and, and kickboxing were sort of the... They were as uh, aggressive as it, it as it was when it came to um, sort of combat, combat sports. Absolutely, yeah. and and for the and for all intents and purposes, mixed martial arts really wasn't a thing. It hadn't really been heard of. It certainly wasn't glamorous. And for the most part, as far as uh, you know, combat sports was illegal. Yeah, uh, uh, literally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and even even. Um, uh, professional forms of Muay Thai were even illegal because he couldn't do. Uh, That's exactly elbows. right, especially New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going back, going back, then you couldn't you couldn't do elbows and knees and all that kind of stuff. Amateurs had to wear shin guards, all that kind of yeah, right. all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, at one stage, women couldn't compete in uh, in Muay Thai. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, and that obviously that's all changed now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, moved to the coast, made the transition into into Muay Thai kickboxing and mixed martial arts. And it's funny too because, you know, I hear a lot of people go, and this, is <laughs> this gets, I have to say this, this gets under my nose. Oh, I do that UFC, man. I train <laughs> UFC. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I if I had a dollar for every time I heard that, you know, and like, I just got to say, I got to say this, guys, hey, listen, UFC is not a martial arts style. Okay, you don't train UFC. That's like saying, that's like if you play in your local <laughs> basketball league and you say, I play NBA. Mm. Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a league. Yeah. So, um, yeah, made the transition to martial arts, made the transition to, sorry, to mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, really, uh, you know, at the, when, we, when we first started, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was virtually unheard of, and 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 mixed martial arts when we when we started, what they had to do is, because it, it was technically illegal, uh, with combat sports like with kickboxing shows etc. What they would do is they'd sneak mixed martial arts quote unquote exhibition bouts. Ah oh, right, yeah, 
I was uh, I'm familiar with uh, the exhibition. Yeah, cuts. with the exhibition. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, in into these kickboxing shows where they could slowly if it's like just exhibition. Why is he bleeding? Exactly. Yeah, they <laughs> weren't exhibition. That's <laughs> fact. <laughs> and so it was. It's really interesting because I've been fortunate enough, and you and I have actually really been fortunate enough to be around long enough to watch the evolution of mixed martial arts and watch it grow from from a virtual underground sporting at least in this country and especially mm. in New South Explicitly Wales. Explicitly called cage fighting. Exactly. It used fighting. to be called no holes barred back that's right back yeah, in the day, yeah. The day. yeah. And so uh, you know, it's we've been very, very privileged privileged to watch the sport metamorphose yeah. over time to what it is today. And and I've been lucky enough to be competing from when it was virtually an unheard sport heard of sport yeah. to, to to where it is today so were you competing in some of those sort of underground slash exhibition yeah bouts? and yeah. what age were you around there so what uh, i think the first exhibition bout i had was uh what it would have been either 1999 or 2000 somewhere right. around there so okay. like i'm 44 now so the math eludes me i failed math at school but if you can do the math that's Kind of the first kind the of math, the mascot stabbed out of me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He stabbed me four times yeah. or eight. I can't remember. I was yeah. definitely stabbed. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I ended up, but prior to that, I was I was right into my Muay Thai and kickboxing and and was competing consistently there, uh, and then made the transition to MMA. And it was hard to get fights. Like it was, uh, of course, yeah, uh, because you know because no, there's severe damage to be taken in those absolutely. Fights. And it started out as bare knuckles when we did it, and on the Central Jesus. Coast it was called um, Total Fighting Australia. Uh, and the first so what, there was a local promoter slash gym or yeah, there was a local promoter okay uh, and I won't say his name because um, I don't know how he'd feel about it if I did but um, uh, he's a great guy lovely guy um, and uh, promote he wanted to get mixed martial arts like we all did there was a small movement of us into and mainstream. we exactly into mainstream yeah. especially on the central coast mm-hmm. so we all kind of competed against each other too which was interesting okay so like into gym. Yeah. Or in a gym, I yeah. guess. Yeah, so we that. kind of all knew each other and we, you know, hook up fights and we'd um, put them in these kickboxing shows. And they started out as, as bare knuckle. So, but That's there was, cool. yeah, but the I guess the, the safety caveat was that there was no punches to the head. You had, to, it, was everything, okay. it was everything below the neck. You could kick to the head, but no punches to the head. Right, and then takedowns are fine. Takedowns are fine. on, on but, the ground. And there was a 30 second ground limit. Oh, okay, right. And then they'd stand back, you back up. And then they'd stand you back up. Okay. Okay, which which obviously had its pros and cons. Yeah. Then from there, um, you know, MMA started to become a little bit more recognised. Uh, and, and then there were a few, like King of the Cage Australia, or King of the Cage came to Australia mm-hmm. uh, trying to get uh, MMA, you know, in Australia right. going yep. and, and King of the Cage were going to be the, the, the big thing here. Yeah. Um, and they st- and they still came at that time where it was still technically illegal. Right. They found except for what in Canberra. Oh, I'm not sure. Can- what if I remember correctly, Canberra's got some very lax laws when it comes to combat sports. Yeah, either that or they're the worst. Oh. I don't know. Whatever. You can smoke weed there though. So oh well, <laughs> that's a good thing, isn't it? Eh? Go Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> not much else to do there though. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you can smoke And weed. it's cold. Yeah, it's like yeah, deal it's with cold. the boredom by smoking yeah. <laughs> Get baked. That's it. Uh, and so I won't keep going on about it, but yeah, but, um, uh, you know, I feel very privileged to be a part of the, I guess, the MMA movement, especially on the Central Coast. Uh, as arrogant as that, as that sounds, but, um, you know, to, to watch the sport evolve and to be part of the evolution of the sport to, you know, to, to you know, I think my last fight was 
oh, geez, was it four years ago now, something like that. Is that the one up in Newcastle? Uh, yes, it was, yeah. That was the one where you got your nose... Actually, no, sorry. No, my, no. no. Uh, the last fight was um, was on XFC in, in, in Brisbane. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that was my last one. Oh, so I had one one oh. more after the after my nose got smashed all S- over my face. Spread yeah, nicely spread. across your face. Yeah. Like yeah. a <laughs> like a thick spread of butter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know the funny thing about that is I was bragging about how, how I'd never broken my nose in a in a fight. <laughs> I mean, a couple of days before yeah. it and Murphy's Law isn't it? I don't know if broken was the word. <laughs> <laughs> we came to see you just after the fight. Like, hey Berkey, how uh, Hey, how you going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you doing all right? Yeah, yeah, man, I'm good. Is yeah. my nose all right? Yeah. <laughs> Still an oil painting, mate. <laughs> good from far, but far from good. That's it. Uh, um, right, so that was your, um, that was sort of your, your intro into into the world of uh, combat sports. Mm. If you want to move the microphone down oh, and yeah. sort of point it up as well, that way you can move it down and then and then tilt it like this. How's that? That's better for yeah, you. Sweet. That way you don't have to try and look around it. Yeah. Um, so that was your... All right, so, so give a backstory as to how you and I came across each other. No homo. Um, the uh, friend of mine, Mick um, Sumner, he'd... Um, Good man. Great man. Um, I lived down the road from Mick many years ago back out in the bush um rocked up to his house one day half pissed and said oh is your name mike and he's like mick and i'm like nah same fucking thing turns out he's a bit of a hard ass but he's like yeah you're all right josh um so uh we stayed friends um he went through a bunch of shit after they moved from there and then um i think we were talking uh i don't know a couple of years later after he'd moved and he said he was starting to train with this new guy berkey um, doing some MMA stuff at the church. And I'm like, oh, training at the church, that sounds like heaps of fun. Um, but you were using the the church, their facilities there, roll, were putting out mats before every session and then yep. you were hooking in. It was, a, it was a pretty small group of people and yep. myself and Vinny um, rocked up as well. Um, and then um, because I'd sort of had that, I don't know, for me, even when I went to that gym that I was talking about earlier, um, up at Wyong there, there's, for me, there's 10% of the people that are there that have that fighter mentality. And it doesn't matter whether they're going to get in the ring and actually fight, but you see the people when they're training. Yep. And 90% of them are, oh, yeah, this is good exercise. And, and they're like, oh, I'm a little bit exhausted now. But because I sort of had that in my teens um, back with CKO and Morris Cooper um, in, in my later teens is spending so much fucking time at the gym yep. and it just became this um, almost what's the word I'm chasing like it, it, it would it would take you over that I'm here to do a fucking job and I'm here to, to absolutely fucking bust my ass until I vomit yep. or, or you know someone has to drag me out of the gym yep. but that's not very common there seems to be a lot of real I don't know, almost like fanboys, people who are like, yeah, I'm going to be the next John Bones Jones baby in the gyms. And and for me, that's I find that really frustrating where I'm like, why are you not absolutely fucking busting your ass as hard as you can? Oh, yeah. I hurt my hand. Mm. Good, keep punching. Yeah. <laughs> keep, yeah. Keep pushing through it. Yeah. 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 That was my experience. That And there, there were a few people that, that were sort of blowing through through the gym there, but you, you've got to have the fillers there because they're the people who put money in your pocket. That's right. Yeah. The problem is the people with the fighter mentality 
they take up way more of your time mm. as a business owner mm. yes. than, than what the people who just come and do 80%. Yep, yep. <laughs> Those people still put money in your pocket and then fuck off, whereas yep. the fighters hang around afterwards. Exactly. And they're like, yeah, bro, yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and I'm a mother hen too as a bit of a coach. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah, uh, you, uh, you know, which, which, which can be a good thing. It's, it's good for the fighters, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but they do. They, they commandeer a lot of time. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and they don't necessarily, you know, unless you're, you know, up amongst the best in the world, you, you know, they're not going to really make you a living. No, um, absolutely not. Uh, because yeah, you know, really, you. you I guess you got to make a decision, uh, and, and I know I had to make a decision. What, what, what do I want? Do I want to have? Do I want to have? Focus on my fighters and make, maybe a little bit of money, maybe not. Or do I want to be a businessman and you know focus on on the general population and just teach and understand that I'm going to get all walks of life in there. I'm going to get the people yeah. that are serious about training, the people not so serious. I'm going to get the guys that win when they hurt their little pinky toe. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you've got to kind of deal with it all, and, and yeah. you know, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that that is a challenge. But anyway, so that's that's how we ended up coming across each other. And then um, I trained there for for the time that you were there. Then you moved to another gym where you were also doing. So I think we we're doing four nights. I was coming in four nights a week. Yep. You managed to grandfather us in on a on a very good rate into yep. into that existing gym, which was yep. awesome. Thank you for doing that. No problem. Uh, once you left, I pulled the fuck out and, and got out of there. <laughs> so did everyone else. <laughs> yeah, and then we sort of stayed in contact on and off for for a little bit there. Um, and anyway, so that that I've reached out to you uh, recently because I've seen you put up some some YouTube videos, um, yep. sort of reigniting your your brand UCS. Yep. Are you UCS, still going yeah. under that? Yeah. Yep. And so the. The, is it Fighter IQ that is the the YouTube channel? Fighter IQ, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so you've you've the martial arts training, and then um, so you're in your twenties at this stage. Yes. And yes. then and where to from there? Where did your life sort of take you? Okay, so I ended up doing quite a bit of work uh, in the security industry, bouncing pretty much bounced all over the Central Coast over the years. Uh, then I, whilst that was con- concurrently, I was in the New South Wales Fire Brigade. Okay. For a time, as a retained firefighter, so I was kind of doing security and uh, you know, firefighting together, which was fun. Actually, it was quite good. Then, and I was fighting professionally as well. Okay, kind of. So you're still training. So I'm still training. I, I never stop. I've never, never stopped training. Right. Um, uh, you know, the, I think the, the longest I've had, I voluntarily had off training is about two weeks in my, in my. Shit, really? Yeah, for as long as I can remember. Fucking hell, man, that's um, intense. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a very, very, very important part of my life and something that I take very, very seriously. And, mm. and you know, I think, you know, I think it's, um, it, th- there's been many rewards uh, personally for that, so. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, how have you found, uh, I'd, I'd say regarding your mental health, that's probably played a massive role in keeping you. Not so much on the the straight and narrow, but focused in a forward direction. Absolutely, and look, uh, that's not to say that the wheels haven't fallen off, uh, you know, psychologically. And, and I'm certainly open to talk about that yeah. uh, in a few moments. But um, uh, yeah, uh, it was definitely it's definitely been the one been the one constant in my life that I can actually rely on, and it's actually given me solace from 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 you know many many of life's challenges. It's. Uh I suppose um, <coughs> theoretically, the the training is one of the very few things in the world that you get out as much as you put in. So it's Absolutely. a it's a one to one ratio there. Whereas there's a lot of things in life where you can put in 150 percent and you get 
20% out because yep. a lot of people are pieces of shit and people disappoint you or yeah. the sun wasn't shining right that day or Absolutely. whatever the case is. And, 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 and it's your own personal journey. That's what's that's the beauty of it. Mm. Uh, and and you know, it takes people fucking you over out of the equation. You yeah, know, absolutely. You, the only person you're going to fuck over is yourself. yourself. If you don't train and you sit on the couch and you want to be a couch potato, that's mm. fine. But, you, you know, you, <laughs> you're fucking yourself over, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah. So you, you're bouncing, you're um, ah, yep. in, the, in the fireys. Yep. So then I decided to, to join to join the military. Right. Which um, particular? Right? So I ended up joining the infantry. I was uh, a rifleman in the 2nd Battalion. For some time, uh, then I went across to the air force as a military working dog handler. Oh right, uh, with the typical oh, canine. Fuck, I forgot that you're in the canines. Yeah, oh, yeah right. Okay. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, so, so I remember uh, seeing a photo pop up not long ago. Yeah, 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 and that was interesting. That was that was yeah. I learned I learned so much in that role, and it was uh, it was it was an interesting interesting time in my life. So did you get deployed anywhere in terms of what your your military? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I went to uh, uh, East Timor as a at a part of uh, uh, Timor Leste Battle Group Three, um, uh, as part of Operation Astute. What was that so experience was, uh, like? So that was a peacekeeping exercise. Isn't all war peacekeeping? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Technically, uh. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, look, it was a, it was an interesting deployment. I had some uh, I had some good times. I had some some horrible times. What was the total time that you spent over there? Uh, s- nearly eight months. I was there, and that was just um, one de- one solid deployment. one one yeah. solid deployment. Okay. Um, yeah, I had the I had a very I had the death of a, a very close friend of mine over there. Fuck. Uh, while I was there, you know, it was was that due to conflict or that was a personal thing? Oh, it was a personal thing. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, but uh, that, that's um, you know that part of my life was uh, was, was very interesting. I, I loved I loved being a soldier, mm-hmm. but I just didn't like the military. <laughs> Right, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, Is that, yeah uh, I can see some internal conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, um, and you know, as far as um, what were some of the what were some of the really awesome things? I guess that you were able to pull out of the the military from your own um, sort of moral standing or your, your own le- feeling of fulfillment in yourself. Sure, sure. Look, I think uh, you, there's one thing that that you'll learn. You'll learn a lot about yourself in the military because they push you, especially I think we've got one of the most highly trained militaries in the world, just personally. Yep. And uh, I can't I can't fault that at all. Right. Uh, and I think that um, they get something out of you. That you didn't know was there? Yeah. Right. That, And it's hard to explain. Anyone, uh, if anyone's listening and, and they've been in the military, you know what I'm talking about. You, it's hard to explain unless you've actually gone through it. Right. Uh, but there is something about the way they training, the way they train in their protocols that brings something out of you that you just didn't know was there. Right. Right. Uh, and I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot of, that I had a lot of inner strength and all that kind of stuff. I and you'd already, to, to hijack that briefly, you'd already stepped into the ring and had professional fights mm. or amateur fights. Were they professional Pro- fights? Professional. Professional, yeah. professional fights yeah. prior to doing this. Yes. And from my point of view stepping into the like training in a gym rolling with people and like and and even when you're sparring and you know you're 90 percent sparring you know those yep. days when yep. you're like ev- we have more hurtful, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um even when you're doing those there's for me there was always that next 
step of going, okay, well, I'm going to step into the ring and, and fight against somebody that I don't know. There's a, there's a huge amount of apprehension and anxiety and you've got everything, like the, the huge amount of unknowns. Yeah. Um, it, that's like next level. Uh, but so you'd already done that. You'd already gone through that, and then still, yeah, you'd already been hand to hand combat with another human being yes. who's trying to take your life potentially, yes. and still you go into the army, and, or into the military, yes. and you're and you find even more out about yourself. Absolutely, and I'll That's tell impressive. you why. Combat sports, yes, it's dangerous to a point, but you're not going to die. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, the chances of dying are relatively right. slim, yeah, right? And absolutely. you're not necessarily training to die, right? You, you're training right. To, to, obviously, to, I guess, to win, to, to, points, win to win points yeah. and, and to knock the guy into oblivion, obviously. But, yeah. uh, but you, the difference is when you're training for war, right? You're training to kill. Yeah. And avoid being killed. Avoid being killed. Yeah. Right. Uh, essentially, yeah. You're yeah. training. You're training. You're training to to so. To get somebody to a point where they're willing to take orders, yeah. even if it's going to cost them their life. Fuck yeah, okay, that's deep. Yeah, yeah. you right. you have to you have to break something in them to rebuild them into something else. So it's like reprogramming, yeah. of, of like your most basic instincts. Yeah, because you know, at least as far as my experience has told me, most people don't walk around thinking that they want to kill people. Like it's just, for the most part, we don't mm. operate that way. So to get the normal average Joe citizen, pull him off the street, turn him into a a, a soldier that he's prepared to kill mm. or sacrifice his own life. Yeah, well. Something has to happen right. to that individual for him to get to that state. Right. And that's what, you know, you learn so much about yourself in that type of environment. Because it's a pressure cooker. It's, uh, you know, and you do, you discover a lot about yourself. Fuck. Which I think for me has been been a positive because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've I've learnt that, you know, I can, I'm capable. So some of the, um, some of the challenges of, um, of, of return veterans and whatever is that, They've gone through that process of that reformation of of, of rebuilding um, sort of their moral compass into being a machine that is designed to kill. Yep. And then they don't get to fulfil that desire because they get deployed and they end up being a fucking administrative back end somewhere or where they were deployed, nothing happened whatsoever. Yep. And so I've heard stories of guys coming back with this uh, disposition to want to still go after something because they never got to do it when they were trained to do it. Is it do you see some oh, look, gravitas in that? Yeah. Look, I, I won't talk on anyone else's behalf, but I'll talk yeah. on mine. Okay. Uh, and, and look, I certainly, a bit of a caveat to that, I have seen that and had experience of other people you know, feeling similar things to myself. Right. But I will say this. I found it extremely difficult after, you know, going through the military protocols, then going back to normal civilian life right? to be able to cope. And because they just let society. you go, right? Yeah. There's, there, there's no graduation back into civilization. Okay, so when I discharged, and I'll just talk about me personally, um, I felt that the discharge process was inadequate. Right. And I was suffering from extreme post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. From my military service. Uh, and 
that created a whole lot of problems in my life that essentially cost my marriage, you know, ended up seeing me, you know, at, you know, at Her Majesty's Hotel. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend it. Um, Is it cheap? The rates are cheap? Oh, right? rates are cheap. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. You know, they even feed you. <laughs> <laughs> if you can call what they feed yeah, your food. food. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, in, in spite of reaching out for help and in spite of getting help uh, from uh, what they call Open Arms Now or Veteran Affairs, uh, I still, the, the wheels were, st- were still falling off and I just I just found it extremely difficult to cope with life as a normal human once, once, I mean, because the military gives you an identity, right? Yeah, they tell you what your identity is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. For example, if you're a if you're a private, you're a private. You're not Mister Burke. You're Private Burke. Yeah, right. Okay. In my case, or whatever. Yep. You know, so that gives you something. Yep. Right. Um, and they train you, like I said, to for war. You leave, and you leave that something. At least for me, something inside me was missing. Right, and, yep. and and then and then, they're saying to me, "Okay, well, you have to be a nice, calm, <laughs> law-abiding citizen." No. Like we spent years turning mm. into a you into a killing mm. machine yeah. that would give up your own life for the lives of people you've never met on an order. Yeah, we've made you this. Yeah, but also, hey, bro, just forget about all that shit we said. Yeah. Yeah, like, just go back. And go back and go and, and work and at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, go flip burgers at the local drive-through. Yeah, right. Uh, no, no, thank you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. At least it didn't for me. And the thing is, is that when I left, <laughs> when I left, I found that, you know, look, so they bu- look okay. They build you. Into, I'm, just, I'm just trying to. Put, I'm trying to so articulate this correctly. Time, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I've got about 14 hours worth of recording on this. So okay. we're fine. All right, sweet. <laughs> I'm just trying to find the words. So they okay. Like I said, they train you. Then they say, okay, all right, let's let's get out. You have a very very simple discharge process. You, yes, you do a last minute psych review before you before you discharge. But the, basically, they just want to make sure you're not an absolute nut job. You discharge. You go back into society. Do they? Do you get a wage after that from DVA or no? no. So you get no money. No money. No nothing. And you, like you were on some decent money when you were deployed, right? Yes. Because the cash, I think someone was telling me they were on about three thousand dollars a week once yeah. they, when they were deployed. Yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah. Part of me. Um, he was deployed in Afghanistan, but yeah, I imagine it's, it's, it's sort of it's, the same across the board. Yeah, it's, it's you know because you got all the penalties and stuff built yeah. into it. And yeah, the money's quite good. Yeah, right. yeah. So there's decent cash, and then you come back, and do, do you go back to go back into the military after you've, you've come back from East Timor? Okay, yeah. So I was, so I came back from East Timor. Um, we have a two week decompression period after you post deployment. Right. Then uh, you. you our battalion at the time went into a RTP or reduced tempo period. So that's when they say reduced like part time. No, no. When they say reduced tempo, it's actually misleading. What it means is it's reduced operation period. Really, they should say it's not necessarily reduced tempo because that's a time where they send you on courses. You're going away for for various courses. You know the you know you're training hard still. Uh, so you're still physically you're still being physically conditioned. Yeah. yeah. 
still mentally conditioned. Yes. Are they upskilling you in things to get you back into society or this is still like you're still an army boy? So I'm still an army boy because okay. when I got back from, from East Timor, uh, you know, I, I was still, because you, you signed up for orig- originally a four-year contract. So right. I still had, you know, a couple of years to go okay. on my contract. Um, so, you know, getting out wasn't wasn't an option there. But what I did was make a sideways step. I said, look, you know, I'm because I'm, at the time I was 29, 30, I'm thinking to myself, I I know for sure because of the rigors of of infantry life that I'm not going to be able to maintain this pace right for the rest of my life. At that time, I'm thinking I'm going to be a lifer. I'm going to stay in forever and, and all that kind of stuff. Yep, right. So yep. I thought to myself, what job can I do that still gives me that action kick, if you like? Yeah. Uh, but I can continue to so do not, as I'm getting it's not older. Use my... the fuck out of your body constantly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so I decided. <laughs> To uh, to yeah, join the, the the tactical canine, right? So that's a that's a transition. So you don't have to discharge that. That's like from one sideways step. Yep. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so you maintain your rank? No. So no. Um, so what I basically did was um, they made an exemption because I I, I, I think I was in, in my third year in the army. They cut they basically cut the contract short on the proviso that you're going to re-sign for four years. Ooh. Okay. In the Air Force, right. which it was for me, yeah. Um, uh, and so, and so that was fine. Uh, and I, <laughs> I thought, you know, it's going to be easier, right? It's going right. to be, you know, you, we're not running around going rah rah rah. Well, oh, I was mistaken. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to keep a, a fully operational military working dog up to standard requires a lot of physical fitness, a lot of dedication, a lot of training and and a lot of mental I assume. As yeah. Well. At the military working dog operation cell that I was at is one of the busiest in the country. Where's that located? That was at Williamtown. Okay, wow. Newcastle, right, yeah. Yep. Uh and that's you know, that's a that's a really busy operation cell. So we were flat stick. So, you know, and I'm thinking to myself I'm just gonna ask the obvious question for people listening who are as dumb as me. Yep. So the dogs don't fly the planes. <laughs> no. <laughs> the dogs don't fly the planes. What's no. the purpose of the dogs in the uh, in the Air Force? Okay, so the roles changed a lot over the years, uh, but basically it's 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 securing our our military assets, essentially right. the That's, stuff on the ground here, stu- as well as so. There's this, there's a couple. There's, it's actually quite a diverse job, and I'll, and I'll try to explain it as best I can. Yeah. So the first and foremost um, responsibility is securing our air assets. Right. Okay, so we use the dogs for, you know, uh, detection work, um, tracking, right. uh, or your kind of, you know, your security type type role, bite and hold, you yep. know, all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, think, think police dog. And, and you kind of got to along, 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 yeah. along, along okay. those lines. Then we we act as what we call force force multipliers for fighting patrols. Okay. So essentially, what we'll do is we'll attach ourselves to an air ground defence air, air ground defence unit, mm-hmm. where they'll do patrols of airfields or within a five kilometre radius of airfields. Our military working dog handlers will attach themselves to one of those fighting sections and will go out as as scouts, as force multipliers to track enemy and and to you know work as a you know a force multiplier for right. the uh, Got you. for the airfield airfield defence guards. Yeah, the edges are there as Got they're you. called. Uh, and so, you know, you're doing all your all your building stuff as well, all your active shooter stuff. 
right. as well. So okay, it's uh, it's really it fucking intense. It's, it's intense. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's really quite. And a, so you have to form a uh, you have to form a bond with your dog. Yes. Okay. So what happens is, when I went through, you you go to the the dog school, which is in in Brisbane at Embley there, uh, and you do a thirteen week handlers course where you and the dog actually get teamed up and this is your dog that and this is my dog that, that, okay. that, that yep. we we keep on base yep we can't take them home they're just far too dangerous right uh where you do a a i think it was 13 week training course where you and the dog actually train together so you basically learn and to train the dog no it's, it's a no. juvenile so okay, it's, right. it's about 18 months give or take okay. cool uh and they've done they've got a breeding cell there and they've got a development cell, so they'll either breed the dogs or get or, or buy, you know, pups from from breeders that are you know okay. they scour the the earth. For and are the, they all the, sort of Alsatians? Or? So they're the ones at the time when I went through. They were German shepherds and Belgian shepherds or Belgian Malinois. Okay, and that was it. Uh, and that was it. They okay. trialed the Dutch shepherds at one stage. I'm not sure how that went though. Those Dutch man, they do too many drugs. If it ain't Dutch, it ain't much, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. All right. So you do your thirteen week course, uh, and then you come back down to Williamtown with with yep. The dog. So you and the dog graduate as a as a team, and you actually do have to graduate. Yep, like, you have to graduate. You go no, okay. You've got it. You've actually got to graduate as a military working dog, a qualified military working dog handler, and the right. dog's got to actually graduate with the rank. Of military working dog. Okay. Okay. Apart from that, they're just a they're just a recruit, I guess, yep. for all intents and purposes. Got you. So you, as a unit or as a team, I should say, you get to, you get posted to a unit, which in my case was the military working dog operations cell at Williamtown, mm-hmm. and you enjoy your life together as a team, and you everything you do, you grow together. You you yeah, it's, it's a really together. yeah, you train together. What was your dog's name? Chopper. Chopper, yeah, military working dog Chopper. Right. Yeah. Awesome. He was a he was a he was a good boy. He was a good dog. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he was um, he was one of the hardest hitting dogs. I have to say this, and um, anyone that uh, knows me and, and trained with me will will have to agree. He's probably one of the hardest hitting military working dogs in the country at the time. Wow. Yeah. So and you know I put a lot of work into him. He's your dog is a is a result of all your blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, and, and, your, commitment ref- and your commitment. Yeah. So if you've got a really highly effective operational military working dog, yeah. that's your. It's a reflection on you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know? it's an extension of you. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and I took that charge very, very seriously. So th- there's a certain. So when you were um, in the so it was the army you were in first, right? Well, mm-hmm. That's what it, yep. the army. Okay, yep. so the army um, specifically. So you're trained to handle weapons. Yes. You are told to respect weapons. Yes, uh, very much. And so. you're told you're, you're taught to know that this can take a man's life and it can also save your own life. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So those are those are the fundamentals around that. Then, so what you've got now is you've got this dog chopper, who is effectively a weapon absolutely but you so you have a huge amount of respect and um you've also got this massive connection to it because it is a sentient being yes so that would have been quite a difficult thing i think because the dog is a weapon absolutely that's that's what it's been that's That's, what you've built it up to be yep absolutely he's a 42 tooth lance uh 42 tooth magnum they call him right okay so that's that's a um that's a that's an interesting kind of um i don't know 
that you've got this weapon, but you've also got an emotional attachment to it. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, too, you're dead right. And, and the thing is, is we are very aware that if we deploy that dog mm. in real time situation, if it needs to be deployed, you may lose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's you know, gonna fucking suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're a soldier. That you've got to be He's clinical. A yeah, you yeah. can't. You know, I mean, it's like pulling a trigger. If you, if you, if you, uh, you know, in a wartime situation, if you think about it, you're dead, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's no time for just that. You just got to get the job done. So, when it came to the military working dog operation and and what you were doing there, was there any um, uh, deployments or real time sort of conflict or anything that you had to do, or was it well, mainly? Well, <coughs> no, I didn't deploy uh, with with my dog, but uh, every day we went to work, we were doing real time patrols. Okay. Okay. So every day at so work, the base. Uh, the, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know where 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 where. Pre- pretty much responsible for the entire security of the base right okay. so uh yeah and there was yeah, there's always things going on yeah uh, for sure. you know yeah okay. so there was always um the air force um how did that how did that wrap up or how did that wind down i guess okay so basically i started struggling very much with my mental health okay and what how did that um sort of manifest so did you head down the sort of suicidal side of things? Yeah, or, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, no def- attempts or uh, <laughs> no serious attempts. Mate. Okay, half yeah. fast. Just yeah. half fast. Yeah, just yeah. doing stupid. Just more living and taking risks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to like I just didn't care if I live or died anymore. Not not that I wanted to knock myself, right? But I just didn't care if I lived or died anymore. Okay. Which were which is quite a, a, a very very difficult place to be in and because you, you, you're you dangerous because you don't care anymore and you're dangerous to the people around you too exactly yeah. exactly um and so the long or the short of it is is i started getting extreme panic attacks extreme anxiety paranoia and i'd and i'd had enough uh, okay. and i just i just could not cope with the the rigors of military life anymore and this is you're not being deployed. This is just active day to day. Yeah. Well, I actually, from my deployment in East Timor, uh, there was a few things uh, that happened, and uh, unfortunately, I can't get into it now. But uh, that that um, caused significant issues for me that I wasn't aware of at the time. Okay. You thought you'd handled it. I thought I, like yeah, a I man thought exactly in inverted commas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and to the at the time, there was very much a culture of you know you're a bit of a bit weak if you're if you kind of speak up and that kind of thing, if, you, if you're not you're not doing that well and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. So I kind of left it. So there's a stigma and you've got to fight through that. Yeah, I okay. kind of... And, and that was just uh, the experience that I had and that was at the time. Um, hopefully things have changed now with that, with that culture. But, uh, you know, I, I was very much struggling with my mental health um, towards the end of my my time in the military and uh, opted to to voluntarily voluntarily discharge okay and at, yeah, so it's not the end of your four years that you were supposed to do so i discharged i all up i did i'd done uh, nearly seven years okay all up yep. yeah wow. so um so i'd uh, uh but that was with a little bit of reserve time as well right um, so I ended up discharging, uh, moving back to the central coast. Um, and it's funny too, because I didn't, it wasn't until I was out that I realized just how bad my mental health was. Right. So while you were, while you were still in, yep. you're still 
coming home, you're going home to a normal or are you staying on barracks on site or what's So the, I, was, I had a married quarters, uh, which mean, that mean? so that is a, like the military that uh, subsidise your living. Okay, right. Because they can send you to pretty much anywhere in Australia. Right. Uh, and so what they say is that um, because we can send you anywhere and because we expect you to live where we say you, you, you're posted to, where we say you'll live, yeah. we will uh, put you in housing and we'll subsidise your the rent on the house. You'll, yeah, okay. you'll live in expenses for you. Got you. And, and, and they're quite comfortable there. I will say this about the... The, the standard of living uh, in the military is very, very comfortable. And, okay. and they, you know, they make sure that you've got a really nice house to, to raise your family in, which is, which is all credit to them for that. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so I was come, going to work, and I was doing shift work when I was with the tactical canine because we had to do night shift because okay. it was 24-hour, obviously, security of the base. Yeah. So I'd go to work, come home, go to work, come home, and we're doing, like, a rotating roster and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. So, well, it's part and parcel with what you signed up for. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. And so, but meanwhile, uh, you know, even though I took my charge very seriously, and this is probably part of the problem as well, because I took my my charge very very seriously as a as a handler, and as a soldier, I, I've been commended for my my time in the military service. You know, I've, I've you know, it's obvious that I took it very very seriously, but I, I think I took it too seriously. Right to the point where it's it really started to affect my mental health. Okay, so I voluntarily discharged, moved back to the central coast. Uh, the wife and I uh, bought a house pretty much while I was in the discharge process, and we pretty much moved in. Okay, after discharge. From there, things went a bit pear shaped. So, did you have work lined up? No. So when so when you bought the house, you, you I assume you. Got a mortgage as well? Yes. Yep. Wasn't yeah. just cash money? No. Right. <laughs> um, so you've got that, and so you don't ha- you have no job prospects lined up at this point, but you had a hefty deposit, I'm assuming. Yep. And so you looked all good. Yep. Right. Okay. So we had we we we'd already owned a, another house. Okay. Uh, and we like we sold that, so we had a pretty good deposit. So cool. and we the banks basically said because I was still working in the military at the time, and my wife right. was a, my wife was a teacher. Mm-hmm. They said it's not a matter of whether you're going to get a loan; it's how much do you want. Is basically what they right. said. Right. Okay. So we anyway. That's beside <laughs> the point. No, so I'm just I'm just framing it for where you're going. Where we're going? Yeah, 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 sure. So I um so we 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 move into this new house and it was a great house, you know. Um, and at the time I had uh three children and I was raising uh I was basically a stay-at-home dad so right. I didn't have a job to go to and, and the wife and I decided that you know she would go back to work as mm-hmm. a teacher while I stay at home and, and raise uh, the midgets the yeah. midgets so you've got three what age were they at this uh so the oldest was oh, I know you tested me so the oldest was she would All have right. been what genders are they okay All right, let's go <laughs> let's go with that one I've got male brain <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I've got uh, two girls and a boy at this stage, right? Um, and the youngest was was my boy. He was two. I can tell you that much. Right. Okay. Uh, and I think the the the, the next one was four. Right. Um, so, uh, so I was staying and raising them too. Uh, Madison it was my oldest. Oh, don't ask me how old she. I think she was uh, twelve. Right. Twelve. Cool. Yeah. We'll go with that. You're let's, let's just let's just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Daddy loves you, Steve. Oh, yeah. So my kids, I love you so much. I love you very, very much. Yeah. You know that. Hopefully they never listen to that. Oh, jeez. It's embarrassing. 
Maybe you can edit that, edit that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I promise I will. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I, um, anyway, so I'm, I'm raising my uh, my middle daughter and, and, and my um, my my son, my young son, and um, for the first twelve months, uh, you know, I, I I felt I felt I knew that I was struggling, but it wasn't all that catastrophic as far as my behavior. I wasn't acting out okay. behaviorally. Wasn't until we got to. What were you doing, sort of socially? Because it, it's it's a challenging thing to just be locked down with the two and four year old. Yep. For anybody. Yeah. So what were you doing, sort of socially or spiritually or mentally to to stretch your legs? So I was still training, and at that time is when this is where we we're getting into where I start, where I met you. Yep. Okay. Uh, and you know I was teaching. Yep. Um, of an evening. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I was doing that, but uh, was it probably after about twelve months where I started to really, really? Uh, I just did. It was strange. I just I didn't want to live anymore. Wow. Yeah, okay. uh, my anxiety was getting really bad. I was paranoid as yeah. I was jumpy. Uh, my hands were shaking all the time. It was horrid. And there was no sort of alcohol or drug abuse. Ah, uh, yes, okay. absolutely. Which so, ones were there? Okay. <laughs> All the above. <laughs> right. So, so, uh, and this is well documented. So, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk about it. And you know, if, if it helps somebody else, then then, yeah, then it's it. job done. Done. So, um, uh, I started, uh, I started getting into smoking, well, shit ton of weed. Okay. At first. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was, in the end, I was vaporizing fucking copious amounts of, of weed. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't necessarily, wasn't necessarily drinking straight off the bat, but then I, I just, you know, the weed wasn't doing it for me. You yeah, know what I mean? So it just, so I need the next bus. So yeah. it was, um, with a mate of mine, um, after a fight night, actually, I won't mention who he is, yeah. um, said if I wanted, wanted to, you know, have a, have a go of a bit of the white stuff, bit of the old devil's yeah. dandruff. Yep. And uh, I thought, yeah, well, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. So had a crack and the big Even problem, with your nose like that. Even with my nose like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Can you just blow it up my ass, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's when you know you've got a good mate, right? <laughs> if, he's really <laughs> if he's willing to do that for you. Go yeah, <laughs> friendship for life. So, uh, so yeah. I had a crack, and and you know, looking back in retrospect, it was probably the worst thing I'd ever I ever did, mm-hmm. because I loved it. Yeah, well, cocaine's a hell of a drug. It is a hell <laughs> of a drug. It's an amazing. Drug. It is, a, yeah. and and for me, it just hit the right spot. Yep. You know, um, and I'm just like, whoa! Now it's party. Time. Where have you been all my life? Yeah, and Colombia. Oh <laughs> man! And you know what? I just, I just, I had an insatiable appetite. I just, I just mm-hmm. couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. Um, to the point where I ended up going on a binge. Um, it was a three or four day binge where I was just heavily, heavily drinking, smoking weed, using heaps of coke. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is a funny story. It was not really funny. I can well, I can laugh at it now, but um, I ended up overdosing, and, and, and I'll get to that in a minute. Mm. But I'm, I'm in the middle of this binge, and I'm drinking, and I'm and I'm smoking weed, and I'm snorting coke, and I ended up I was 
at a mate's place. And uh, I, I organised with the wife to meet up with some friends out at the Beery at, at Terrigal. Yeah. Where uh, you used to bounce. Where I used to bounce, right? Yep. Um, uh, and this was on, I think it was a Saturday. For that afternoon, we are going to have dinner and drinks, right? So I ended up leaving my mate's place, um, snorting this massive line of coke before I left his, left his house. Yeah. Big donkey. Yeah. yeah. And then smoking a joint in my car on the way home. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> To straighten myself out, right? <laughs> yeah, to take the edge <laughs> off. To take the, the edge off of the coat, <laughs> yeah, right, and maybe I, give yourself an appetite again. <laughs> right, exactly, because I've got to try to get my shit together because I'm for meeting for dinner, right? And yeah. uh, you know, I can't go letting the wife know that I'm this fucking and an fucked up, yeah. So um, we can swear, right? Uh, yeah, fucking sweet. absolutely, okay. <laughs> can, you stupid cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so we end up. So I end up. So how the, I, I, I don't even remember the fucking car trip home. I just remember pulling out this fucking joint. The next thing I remember was sitting in my fucking driveway. Then I'm thinking to myself, look, I am too fucked up, so I better go and have another line. Right, yeah. Because maybe that, or maybe the joint... That'll the, straighten, that'll straighten yeah. me out, right? Yeah. So I, I just... Fuck knows how much I put. I went in the bathroom. The, the, the wife wasn't home at the time. She's dropping the kids off at, at uh, her parents' house mm-hmm. in preparation for us to go out to dinner. Yeah. So she's out while there was that kind of intermission. Yeah. I decided, oh, she's. I've got to straighten out. So I rack up. I don't fuck knows how much I put on the on the on the on the bathroom sink, and I rack up this massive fucking line of coke. And I just the last thing I remember is walking out of the bathroom. Yeah. That's it. I That's don't remember it. anything else. Now, my my wife at the time's version of events was when she came home, she saw me collapsed on the on the lounge room floor, right? Just covered in vomit and oh, just okay. just doing these ones. Wow. Just shut, yeah, yeah. Fuck, okay. So she's like, "Fuck!" She's <laughs> she's freaking out, not knowing, by the way, that I just overdosed on everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Not. Uh, she's none the wiser she i yeah. kept for up until then i'd kept it under wraps under wraps right yeah, okay so she comes home and sees me just all fucked up not knowing what's going on they call an ambulance the ambulance took an it took them an hour to stabilize me before they could safely transport me to hospital Fuck. so they worked on me for an hour in my house in front of my my hysterical wife jesus christ <laughs> so they take me to hospital um, and, uh, apparently that, uh, according to the nurses that my, my, like I wasn't breathing, but like they, so they had to put me on life support. Ventilate, yeah. yeah. Had to ventilate in, me. Intubate you or whatever. It yeah. Is. yeah. So the next thing I remember, because yeah, the last thing I remember is just, you know, walking out of the bathroom. The next thing I remember for me, I'm waking up and I'm fucking strapped down to a bed with fucking this tube. massive tube that's breathing for me, not knowing what the fuck's going on. I, I, have I been abducted by aliens or some shit? You know, right. like I'm lying down, I wake up and I'm fucking seeing lights and you tubes. You were restrained on the bed. Yes, I was restrained. You were restrained as well. Yeah, I was restrained. Fuck. Yeah, on the bed. Like <laughs> They're Holy going, shit. Adam, Adam, it's okay, you're safe, you're at Gossard Hospital. Yeah, you know? I feel real safe with yeah. this donkey dick down my throat yeah, and on there, <laughs> strapped to a bed. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm gagging on this fucking donkey dick in my, this, <laughs> like this. So they have to sedate me and put me out again because I'm, right. I'm freaking out. Yeah, as you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're so, like, shit, man, I'm going to be late for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah I was supposed to be at dinner. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, anyway, so they um, 
uh, I come to again. Uh, this time, I'm a little bit more aware of, of what's going on. And, yep. they, and they said, "Look, you've had a you've had a massive drug overdose. You're very very lucky to be here. Um, wow, you, you nearly fucking died." So, yeah, it was a. But um, <sighs> wow. Okay, so you've you've you're in the hospital. So then, that's that's got to change some things in your relationship with your missus. Very much so. Uh, and you know, look, she's had a ringside seat to the perpetual demise of my mental health. Right. Right. She's she's seen Hey Polly. She's seen a hey darling. She's seen a, a, a very a very competent, capable, together individual just completely fall to pieces. Right. You know? Yeah. Um and to the point where where I just did not give a fuck whether I lived or died anymore. I didn't care about anything. I just I, I was just a shell of a former man I was. And and I can speak to that uh, feeling of helplessness and hopelessness and, and I see a lot of people on some of the fucking Facebook groups I'm on where they're like, oh, if, you, if you've got kids and you fucking think like that, you're a dog. And I'm, I'm like, those people who say that have never been in that position because I've got two amazing kids. They're not both amazing at the same time all the time, but <laughs> at any time I'll pick one as my favourite because it changes. Um, <laughs> But two amazing kids, and I have been in that position where I don't want to go on. And it's uh, my my thinking at that point, when it comes to the kids, is they'd be better off if I wasn't here. So when you, I yes. see people with this bullshit yes. excuse where it's like, if you've got kids and you fucking think like that, you're a fucking piece of shit. And I'm like, no, no, that's because your your mind, your 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 head says they're worse off for me being here. Yeah. Because I'm that fucked up. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to talk to that because yep. I'm fucking sick of seeing people yep. go. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. And, and look, too. I mean, you know, the 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 fucking thing is, mental illness. It's not like you wake up and say, "Oh, I want to be mentally ill today." No, exactly. It's not like you've got a fucking choice in the matter. Exactly. And it's not like it's an obvious thing that is like a gaping wound where it's bleeding. Right, it's this thing that slowly creeps up on you, yeah. And your judgment of yourself is tarnished by how badly your your mental state has actually exactly. Gotten. Because we, in, I don't know if this was the same for you, mate, but mm. I was very much aware of the man that I was and the man that I, should as in prior to to my men, and the yeah. man that I should be, I guess, yeah. and the man that I was, right as in at that point in time where I was mentally ill. But again, you're judging yourself based on what your mindset is like at that point That's in time. Exactly. Like if someone else was to look at your life, they'd go, no, nah, like, yeah, the vomit and the passing out and stuff, but he's a, he's a top bloke. Mm. But your judgment of yourself is so contorted and twisted yeah. because you've got this idolised view of what you were when you were younger. Mm. And then... You look at your life now, and, and, and the comparison between the two will fuck you up. Yes. If you draw a direct comparison between what was I when I was 31 and what am I now when I'm 38. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a difficult thing to rationalize, and that's yeah. really unfair on yourself to do that. Absolutely. Really unfair. Absolutely. But again, all of that is coming about because of the fact that you, you're feeling fucked up in the head. Yeah. So, we go through that. You've, you've had your, your your amazing time on the coke. Then now, what's happened? So that the missus is now fully aware of the fact that you've put some of the drugs up your nose. Yep, yep. So that all came out, obviously. Yep. 
Um, you and decided to bear all and be like, okay, well, this is what's happened. Yeah. To yep. some degree. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, I had to be delicate with it, obviously, to a point, you know. Uh, you want to be honest, but, you know, there's also a little bit of... You have to have a little bit of you wisdom. You don't want to tear their heart exactly. out. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but you'd think I'd learn my lesson, yeah? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> the best lessons are the ones that you've had to learn ten times. So here's the thing. I, I cheated death, death before when I got stabbed. Uh, there's been other incidents where I, I've cheated death. And People have tried to pound the fuck out of your yep, face multiple yep, times yep. and kill you uh, in the ring. Yep. You know, I, I don't know how many times I've been punched, spat on, yep. slapped, you know, whatever. That's just in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Even, you know, doing the, like security work and so forth. And I want to yeah. say on a, on a side note, and I have to say this, you do security, you do licensed venues long enough as a security operator, you see it all and you get hardened. Oh, you imagine. know, yeah. and um, you, because you're not, you, you're doing it for a living. Yeah. You know? You're not doing it for fun. No, you're not doing it for fun. And, and if, if, especially if you're it's serious. not to suggest no. that, to, just to pause you briefly, it's not to suggest that when push comes to shove and there is somebody who's smart mouthing you and tries to front up to you, there is a part of you knowing you as I do that is going to enjoy the next 30 to 40 seconds that unfolds. Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> so anyway, we'll just, just take like, that aside briefly. I'm not doing it because I'm a nice guy, right? I'm not doing that job because... because You're really approachable. I'm really... You're right. Usually Although you I'm are, the, ironically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I think there's something to be said for the academic security operator. What do I mean by that? Well, any knuckle-dragger yeah, can... Go. can Grab a hold of someone and, and, and friggin' throw their ass out on the street, right? That doesn't take much doing, really, yeah. if, if you've got half a brain and you're half confident in what you're doing. Yeah. The real art is, and what I find to be the real art, is being able to talk somebody out yeah. against their will. Right, yeah, okay. So how do so I use... You're playing a psychological Exactly. Game. How do I use and my knowing words? that you can back it up with, I will just take you down and put you to sleep. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be that omnipotent threat of violence yeah, yeah. without saying it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does okay. that make sense? There's no direct threat. There's it's no direct the, threat. It's the feeling that I might be in trouble yeah. here. That's how you pull it off, and that's how any skilled operator will pull it off. So what right. they'll do is they'll use a very, very well-marshaled set of words. Mm-hmm. Unthreatening. Open, unthreatening, open... Open, open, nice and body language, nice and calm, calm yeah. nice and quiet. You know, and we're asking, we're not telling. So, mm-hmm. do you mind if? Could you please? Yeah, them ones. Okay. But there has to still be that omnipotent threat mm-hmm. that if you want to go, if you want to go there, yeah. I'm more than happy to apply. I'm really going to like it. Exactly. Yeah. And and here's and here's the thing. And in most guys. <laughs> Most of my mates that have done it for long periods of time, there's a few names I could rattle off, but they are harder. They're as hard as coffin nails, right? They, yeah. they, are, they are as hard as why? Because they've seen... And look, to, to you idiots that want to go out there and start, you know, throwing your weight around because you've had a gut full of piss, yeah. just know one thing, that most guys that do... that Most security guys that have been there for a long time, they do it for a living. You're a tourist. <laughs> Right, right. That, right? Yeah. You're not going like I know for myself. When I went to work that night, I was prepared for anything right. ahead of time. Yeah, right. I got myself into a state where I was. I had 
almost sort of almost every contingency that I could think of ahead of time. So, I mean, when we're talking about good operators here, not bad ones, right? Yeah. There are a lot of dickheads out Plenty there. Plenty of fucking pieces of shit security yeah. guys out there. Yeah, yeah. but, but then there are. They're dickheads out there. But there are some very good ones. And the ones that are like... Like myself, that, no, I'm not saying that I'm good, but what I'm saying is I was, I was prepared. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm good because yeah. honestly, that's not saying enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fantastic and possibly the best bouncer that anybody has ever seen. Oh, I don't know life. about that. No. But what I was, what I will say was, is I was prepared. Yeah. Right. Every day I was prepared. The normal average Joe that goes out on the pierce doesn't isn't prepared for that. He hasn't no. psychologically prepped himself for every possible case, violent scenario, or, or, or emergency situation right so i see them as tourists so when they start gobbing off to me and they start calling me this and that and you motherfucker this that it's like well that's the fifth time tonight mate are you going to come up with something original (laughs) yeah yeah exactly you you get what i'm saying i get what you mean i I kind of digressed there got a little off track that's the whole purpose yeah (laughs) get off track (laughs) but we were talking about i feel like there's a lot of stories where you could tell us about uh people that you've come across in the club where 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 it was one of those ones where you're like fuck i did not expect that yeah (laughs) oh i've got a number oh yeah Yeah, absolutely come back to that another time i like it yeah Yeah. where were we i'm prepared for everything wow um, didn't expect that one <laughs> <laughs> really the whole glass um <laughs> uh we were talking about the um the the after the after the coke binge and the, and the, uh, hospital, the hospital how, yeah. how, how it sort of unfolded you said uh, you think i'd learned my lesson I'm ah like, yes that's crazy thank you yeah. yeah um yeah and you think you you think i would you think i'd learn my lesson but no in fact and i was getting on the thing that I, you know being i've cheated death a number of times and that's right, we got on to the point that I've been spat at, slap, punched, yeah. whatever, a million times doing it. Look, what, what I, I guess I became immune to the fact that, that death, like I just didn't care anymore. Right. And, and like you know it's there. You've I know it's there. I've it been close times. to it. It's not yeah. as scary as, as, as I thought it was going to be. In fact, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, I could have died right there and I wouldn't have known nothing. Like yeah. I'll go to the bathroom yeah, and it. I don't remember anything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because there was that, that, that Coke situation where yeah. you're like, life's good, I'm having, and yeah, but, now I'm in hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, but I you could have just not I come could, back. I could not, if, if, if no one came home, yeah. if, if my wife didn't come home, I was dead for all money. You know, that, yeah. that's, <laughs> wow. you know, so, yeah. uh, but, you know, it just wasn't as scary. So I just thought, you know what, fuck this. I'm yeah. going to go hard. Right. I'd, and, and... It, People are probably going to go out there, and I'm probably going to get some finger pointers and haters, maybe. But when you're when you're extremely mentally ill, you could have the most loving children, the most beautiful life as far yeah. as you can have houses, cars, amazing parents, amazing parents, huge amount of money, huge yeah. amount of money. It's all superfluous. It's completely irrelevant. Yeah, mental illness makes all of that mute. Yeah. And this is what people that do all the finger pointing and, and what you're saying before, they need to understand that, that, that it is indiscriminate and it is violent in its, its approach. Absolutely. And will, and will absolutely destroy you if you let it. Yeah. It will fuck your life up yeah. immediately. Yeah. So right. my, I guess my... So my, then, yeah, so then where? So you're like, fuck this, I'm going 110% now. Yeah. Obviously, I was only doing 80% before. Yeah. So... So now I'm just I'm a man on a mission to to destroy myself, right? Because I hated myself. You're still a soldier. No, I'm no, out. I, no, I mean you're out. Oh, but, but I'm mean, still so yeah. Still I still have a soldier, soldier mentality exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you know now 
I'm dangerous. What, what do I mean by that? I'm not. I mean, I'm not talking myself. I was being tough, but I'm just. I'm dangerous in so far as like the first time we rolled, I put you in a triangle. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> It was that's, funny, that's but also you didn't tap out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a minute and a half. <laughs> and you got up and I was like, oh, fuck, man. That yeah. guy's hard as nails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yes, all right. So you, you, you're hardened. You, you, you've seen death multiple times. You've stared it in the face. And yeah. You've dodged it. Yeah. And you're like, fuck you, death. Come at me. Yeah, and when you don't care anymore and when you don't care about yourself or, or you have little empathy for anybody else... Mm. That's when that's when you're dangerous. Not because you're, you're you're hard and tough and all that. It's just because you don't care anymore. Yeah, you yeah. know, and no, you're, you're, you're a You've danger got nothing, to you. Nothing to live for. Nothing to live for. But you also have nothing to die for. But you die for anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that mindset, if you like, that frame of mind, ended up costing me my freedom. Where you know where I ended up doing a two year stretch. That's so. So, what happened? Did the marriage break down after or during this? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So, look, uh, the wife had the short answer is yes, right? The yep. wife, she, like I said before, she had a ringside seat to to my to my demise. And to her credit, uh, you know, she she has put up with a lot. She yep. did put up with a lot. Um, living with somebody that is was extremely sick as I was, isn't easy, right. it, you know, and to be honest, uh, you know, she, 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 you know, she, she was a soldier for the most part. Where I feel, where things kind of went wrong, really, I think the, the, cat, the straw that broke the camel's back is when I went to jail. All right. And so you were still together coming up to you going to Yeah, to we're jail? still together. All right. We weren't. We're very rocky, obviously. You know, we'll every marriage should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's seeing. She's seeing. Well, she married a man that was sensible. She married a man that was highly disciplined. Yeah. She married a man that, that hated drugs, hated alcohol. Yeah. Uh, you know, wouldn't go near it. I was a teetoter. You know, yep. I was training all the time. I was positive. I was, all these kind of things. To now, there's just I was a junkie. Yeah. Right. So there's this. This. You've become like the polar opposite of the man that she kind of fell in love with. Exactly. And, and, and dedicated her life to. Exactly. I mean, people change. She probably wasn't the exact same person that you married either at that point, right? Correct. Right. So it's her, her fault. That's what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? you get what I'm saying. Is I, I get you, what you're you saying. evolve and, and people change, but this is obviously in stark contrast to any kind of rational thought to uh, any kind of ethics or morals that you shared together as a couple. Yep. You've got three kids together. Yep. And um, and it's still three kids. So, uh, by this time, I, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned, by this time we had our fourth kid. Yes, I was going to bring up your fourth child. Yeah. And so, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're, we've still got a growing family. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're normally... You know the father is responsible. Mm-hmm. He's acting responsibly. He's 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 doing all the things that a father does, right? But she had a dysfunctional husband yeah. and a dysfunctional father. Yeah. Okay. You know now that, kids, yeah. now what what I mean by that is is that um is that you know I just wasn't operating how I should. That how you should is a. Um, 
that's a complex thing to unpack though because how you should for one family it's one thing uh for another family it's it's a different thing completely yeah, yeah. Uh, you've got you know take the comparison i'll use two comparisons that people might probably relate to which is you've got uh, a guy who's a FIFO worker, so he's going in and out of the mines in Western Australia, and he's bringing in two and a half thousand dollars a week. They're making ends meet. They bought a house, whatever. So he's away three weeks at a time. He's back for a week. Yeah. So you can't really say he's not a good father because he is absolutely providing for his family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the other side of that, which would be. Ideally, for me, like I'd love to be a stay-at-home dad. It'd be wonderful. Uh, just the whole kids thing really pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I would love to be a stay-at-home dad. I enjoy, you know, spending time with my kids and running around after them, all that kind of stuff. Yep. But <clears throat> there's another, like, that's what a father should be as well. Because if you compare yourself to a dad who's always there and takes their kids to sports on the weekends and is always present, you know, physically and also mentally... That's a oh I should be like that dad, right? So you, you've 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 got your your fourth baby, um, your world's falling apart. You're yep. getting involved with some. Well, actually, previous to that, so you've come out. If I remember correctly, the 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 religion thing became a, a, a pretty intense thing in terms of what your psyche and your your existence was. Mm, mm, yes, the way I saw it was, um, and this was no judgment on you at all but it was the i was like okay i get it because you've been indoctrinated into having the scripture laid out in front of you and i'm not talking about religion i'm talking <coughs> about your time in the military yep the scripture is laid out in front of you there's an answer for everything yep you look in the book and then it's like this is how i'm supposed to act at this particular point in time so as part of you stop uh, as part of you trying to find yourself or find your way, I, it felt like, and we, we sat down at McDonald's one day having a coffee and, and I was I touched on religion and you're like, bro, I can talk to you all fucking day about yep. religion. Yep. I was like, Jesus, this motherfucker's like read about a lot of religions. Yep. <laughs> um, so that, that to me seemed like what it was is that you, you were, you were, you're like, there's an answer in a book somewhere and, and you, you'd, it seemed like for me that you'd kind of attached yourself to that as a way to find your way and navigate through the shitty world that lay in front of us. Would yep. that be accurate yeah, or is it completely wrong? No, 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 that's fair to say. I, <clears throat> religion was a, and still is a big part of my life. I'm, I, th I guess the problem that I had was, I guess I, I was looking for answers in all the wrong places. What do I mean by that? Or maybe asking the wrong questions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. even. Yeah. Um, is I, I kind of had a medicinal relationship with the Bible. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. If that makes any Much sense. Much more articulate than what yeah. I was trying to, ask, yeah. trying to say that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I was looking at the Bible to to kind of answer questions that I was probably asking, you know, I was asking the wrong questions. I was looking at the Bible for answers for my medicinal mm. daily, you know, dose, if, yeah. if you like. Tell me what I should do today. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I kind of pulled, and I don't want to get too much into religion or, or theology, but, you know, the way I understand that the Bible should be read isn't 
you know, taking one piece of scripture out and then applying that to every aspect of your life. It just it just doesn't work like that. No. You know, you've got to look at, you know, the, uh, we, oh, we, we know that the Bible is a collection of books. I won't bore people with too much of the details, but, you know, it's a collection of books. You need to look at, where, you know, which each, with each, each individual book, who the author was, the time in which it was written, who the intended, intended audience was. Uh, you know the the political climate at the time. Yeah. You know, for you to get the actual meaning out of it, not just pull one piece of scripture out and then read it out of context and go, "Oh, that's the answer for the day." Right. right. So, so you're you're like you went Old Testament. You didn't just go like you know Catholicism 2.0. You know, I was ca- I was very Catholics much the internet. very much the wrath of God and 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 and. and <laughs> <laughs> woe to everybody else kind of thing <laughs> um but yeah no you're dead right and and i did I, it's look the, the religion christianity i should say is still a big part of my life and, and so what's your relationship with christianity look like at the moment <clears throat> okay so i don't go to church at the moment partly because of the covid stuff um but uh i just i just need some time outside the church body to find myself well yeah because the, the challenge uh, yeah. of the whole um religious institution thing is that everything becomes politicized because yeah. that's what we do as human beings yeah. and there are you know there are financial gains to be had by certain people that are involved with the churches in particular the catholic church obviously mm-hmm. um uh, the, and and everything all the goodwill gets muddied by other people who have their own sort of mo their yeah. own intentions as to what the church as a unit and their social interaction with people, yeah. th- what they want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, I, I can fully appreciate that. That's yeah. a, it's a it's a difficult path to walk when you're like, I'm here with the best intentions, and yeah. then you've got people who are like, yeah. Let me tell you about Adam. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, right. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I must admit, I haven't, my, I myself personally, I haven't had a very good. I haven't had very good experiences with the church body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i mean, i not a conventional individual by any means. Really? And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you know. Uh, That's w- just blown everyone away. Yeah. yeah. They're like, shit, yeah. really? <laughs> I had no idea. And yeah. trying to put me in a box of how a Christian should behave to a point when, when, when people are looking at me through a different lens or a, or a cotton wool wrapped yeah perception yeah yeah absolutely it's difficult for them to understand why i operate the way i do or why i think the way i do or, or what of have course. you yeah. they that have no perspective with anything no context no perspective yeah. right so uh and i find that i haven't had you know i've had a lot of gossipers i've had a lot of you know judgment i've had a lot of people point their finger now that now i don't want to put shit on the church uh, as such because there's a no. lot of good ones out there of you know course, yeah. but in my experience uh, personally uh, i i haven't had a very good experience with it and i'm taking my time to find my own walk with god outside of any external influence right. have you done reading in terms of um say Buddhism, Islam, um, any of the other sort of uh, less, well, non-Christian based faith, faiths, well, I guess? With the monotheistic religions, um, you know, I've done a little bit of research on those. I haven't done much, honestly, with the with the, with the the other ones like Buddhism and so forth. Uh-huh. I, don't, I wouldn't be, I'd be arrogant if so I was to say. So what have you say. got? That's uh, so Judaism. Judaism, Islam, Islam Christianity. and Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Catholicism. 
Yeah. Or, or Christian denomination. Yeah, Christian denomination. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what yeah. Are they called? I think Raf said they were called Abra- Abrahamic. Is that right? Abrahamic religions? I think so. Yeah, something. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, God um, bother us. Yeah. God bother us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, but as far as Buddhism and so forth, I'm, I wouldn't proclaim to know all okay. that much about it, though. I'm open to, uh, I'm open to, to learn. Right, so your relationship with religion is still very much there, and it, it's 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 uh, it's going to be an ongoing and informative or, or core part of you until the day that you eventually pass on for from whatever reason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the um, your your situation with the marriage breaking down. So who? Mm. What was the? What was your social? Um, interaction like when you were going through that particular point because I know having exposure to drugs in the past that you can get involved with some people who aren't necessarily amazing individuals yeah well I mean it comes with the territory doesn't it I'm definitely you know I I like I understand I should say this is more I understand people that are a little left of the middle I understand people that don't follow conventional social norms right I understand people that you know don't conform to what society would deem as normal and whether that's legally morally ethically whatever I, I, I behaviorally like behaviorally yeah, yeah. I, I understand let me give you a really good example like a very small example of exactly what you're talking about I was having a chat with um, somebody last night and they were booking in a client for 1pm the next day this is a very, very small example, but this is how, the way that my mind works. This is along the same sort of path. She said, oh, okay, well, he's booked in for one. He's checking what time. And I said, right back, 12.53 p.m. As in, that's his booking time. Right. Because that's just going to fuck with yeah. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like, I think it was 1 p.m. that yeah. we're booked in for. And it's like 12.53. And you're like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Whoa. You asked for a time, I gave you a time. Yeah. It's like, it's, I gave you the fucking time, be there. And she's like, I can't do that. I'm like, do it. (laughs) It's really going to fuck with their head because it's not socially acceptable. No, right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's double thumbs up for me, man. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Right. So, yeah, the, the people that are sort of. Uh, not dwelling, but the people who are sort of milling in the outer norms of society outside yeah, of the mainstream. Yeah. Look, I, I, I must admit, and even, even look, now I'm not, I don't want to get into a moral debate or anything like that, but what, what I will say is, is that, 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 you know, I, I understand those type of people and I understand, I understand that, you know, for the, you know, just because old mate at Canberra with his fucking suit and tie that hasn't really lived his life and has been brought up in a bubble, probably been very privileged, had an education, all that kind of stuff. Just because he says that's right or, or just because he says that, you know, this is how you should be living doesn't necessarily mean that I fucking agree with you. No, absolutely. Nor you know? that you should actually do that. Nor that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. you know? Now, listen, I know we've got laws. I know that, you know, we've got to be law-abiding citizens and all that kind of shit. But there, there is... The law does not allow for fucking grey area. Either does morality. <laughs> when you when you when you're looking at you know when you're yeah, looking at morality is black and white. Exa- right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the real world is really just shades of grey. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, there's certain things that we know as as humans that are that are innately wrong, right? Yep. And that we we should stay away from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
fine, fair enough, right? We know what they are. We don't need to talk about them. Yeah. But there's certain things and certain ways in which people live that a lot of society will shun, right? Yeah. And I say, well, who are you? Yeah. Who are they, who are they to fucking who, cast, who are they any, judgment to cast any judgment, right? Yeah. Um, fuck and, them. and yeah, fuck them. So, look, I've got no problem. I've got no problem with with you know some people that uh, that you know have got to do what they've got to do. I myself now I, I'm a law abiding citizen, mm-hmm. uh, and I intend to uh, intend to stay that way. Um, we've had the the fall down. You, you've gotten back into the drugs again. Yes. Um, okay. And then we've uh, so the, so the marriage is on its way down already. It's All right. rocky. So then yep. you get your free holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What, what led into that? Give us as much information as you're willing to divulge. Okay. Let's talk about how I was. Uh, Who were you involved with previous to that happening first? Okay. Ooh, it was just getting good. So uh, coitus interruptus, some may say, but let's be honest, it's better than having an unwanted love child to a gap-toothed southerner you met in a whiskey bar on the back of an MDMA binge. If your interest is peaks, just keep an eye out on the Advice for Blokes Facebook page or Instagram if that's more your speed. Take it squeezy, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll be entering your ear holes soon. Peace.